Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode I'm calling Creating Sanity and Curating a Place of Inner Safety When You Are Being Gaslit or Maybe You Have a Person in Your Life Who Does Not Respect Your Boundaries. So the other name for this episode was the war on words. And that is my term for when someone starts to spin you in a web of verbal conflict. So as soon as you try to pin them down or try and get clarity on something, they spin to the next topic. They jump to the next accusation and then the next one. And you just can't ever seem to get any grounding. It's that kind of dizzy, like, wait, but didn't you say blank? But I thought you were, I didn't say blank. And that is when you get lost. That's when you can't seem to solve a conflict. And it only seems to get bigger and meaner and angrier and more confusing. So this is for you if you have a relationship with someone who, or maybe you just have to interact with someone who does not respect your right to basic human kindness, respect, personal space, or maintain healthy boundaries. And that might show up as a person who insults you, who picks at you, who mocks you, who targets you by belittling you in some random way, or maybe they make you feel crazy for the way you do something, like anything, for the words you choose, for some habit that you keep, for the way you exist. It's always some random thing, but whatever it is, it hurts and it's very confusing. And it also might make you start to question whether or not you are crazy. And that, my friends, is the definition of gaslighting. And it may happen to you in a variety of different kinds of relationships. It could be a completely casual circumstance in your life. It can happen in any intimate relationship. It can also happen in a casual relationship. It can happen in any environment. And no, don't worry, you're not crazy. So if this is ringing any bells, I just want to acknowledge that confronting a person who is toxic and manipulative and angry can be very dangerous. So if that sounds possibly true for you, please, 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 please speak with someone uh, at a resource such as the Domestic Violence Hotline and form a plan. Like don't just jump in and confront this thing. Like you need to have a plan and you need to have solved through all of the possible threats to your safety. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Um, Also, there are other links that I mentioned in this episode that are in the show notes as well. And one of them in particular is about escaping a relationship with a narcissist. So if that sounds like what you are in, I mean, that is a very 
difficult and lengthy process. So there's a specific episode for that situation. There's also a link to that in the show notes. So before I go on, I just want you to take note and ask yourself, is there possibly a relationship in my life where someone's doing this to me? Where I feel that like inner sting, like your body reacts. And I will just call out to you, we don't get that sting from people who don't intend them. So unless you are unless you are aware of a problem you have with like paranoia or <clears throat> I don't know, if you have a history of let's say schizophrenia or any kind of other related issues, like I think you know, we know when when somebody has a, a malintent. There's that our body tells us that, you know? And I will just say like think of the nicest, most confident person you know in your life. Do you get stings from them? I am guessing not. So if you get hurt by a person, that is because there is a source, there is an intention. And I just want to call that out because when a person has a silver tongue, it will be very hard to pinpoint where, you know, the stabbing is happening. <laughs> like you get lost in the content of what they're saying. But if you feel dizzy, if you feel like, what, am I going crazy? If you feel hurt, that is the only answer you need. Like that is manifesting in your body for a reason. So I just wanted to call that out. And also just let you know, this episode also covers issues related to people who ignore your boundaries. So in those circumstances, you might be asking yourself, why are they not listening to me? What just happened? How did this just happen? And that violation is also something your body will tell you. And it usually arises in your stomach, possibly in your chest. And it's like that feeling of panic um, like my space has been violated or that feeling of anxiety. So just trust it. If that's happening in your body, you're not wrong for having those feelings. And I think that is just a step one. It's like, nope, I'm not crazy. That's happening in my body. So it exists. Um, and I will say also, if you end up in relationships like either of these things, I'm guessing like me, you have a history of being kind of a pleaser or a caregiver, um, but not all of you, just that might be something that's true. So anyway, let's get to the episode. There are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Overstepping and overstating, meaning putting something that has nothing to do with you on you or stepping beyond what is appropriate or expected in a given situation. So I'm talking about bad boundaries, but I'm also talking about gaslighting, meaning saying you did or said something wrong that is worthy of ridicule. And let's say if this person treats you like your needs and your feelings don't exist, or they just don't even register your half of the conversation, that could be because that person is just trapped in their own head but it also could be because that person is doing it deliberately you know um I mean I'm not going to say every person that does this is a narcissist sometimes it's a person that's just really angry and when they don't know what to do with that anger especially if that anger is at themselves or is um something related to confidence it's impossible for that person to look inward and see that because there is a constant pressure, a constant need 
to protect from that identity. It's like a self-protective mechanism to point it outwards and project it onto other people. So that might look like in your life, you doing something totally random and normal. Maybe you ask that person to go to the grocery store and they say, nice tactic. And you say, what? What do you mean? And they say, why can't you talk like a normal person? Why do you have to be all fake? And that is just like the most random example in the world. But the thing that will happen will be that mundane and totally confusing. But the goal has been achieved. Their motive has been achieved. Because you are on the defense and you are arguing your innocence. And the terms of the argument are baffling. They don't make any sense. So they are like the judge who holds the keys to your freedom. And because the laws are all on their terms, you will not win or be seen like there will never be a shared reality created and that is by design so the rules are just set up for you to lose and that is the most important fact here it's like in a situation like this it's not about what it's about and you might think that it's about what it's about so your your efforts will be to create that shared reality but that's where we get lost so the other thing I am covering in this episode is a person who ignores what you want and acts as if you do not have boundaries or have not stated those boundaries. So that person might appear as someone who is just overstepping a physical boundary when you explicitly state that to them under, um, and they might, you know, do that under some other guise like uh, of friendship, of joking, or of um, politeness, of like some sort of cultural norm. Or they just might ignore your your social cues and continue to act according to what they choose to see and kind of feign ignorance. So let's say um, they act very close and intimate when in reality you have given them no signs that that is warranted. And I would say this second type of person is can be a lot of different things. It's not necessarily coming from a malicious place, but the way you deal with it is the same. The truth is the same. They are not respecting boundaries, and therefore you must take steps to enforce boundaries in a much different way than you would normally. And that brings me to part two, the why. There is a big picture that you will need to pull back from and see where you can place this behavior in context, meaning I think it's really important to see what kind of person this is and have a, a specific why for why they are doing this. And from that, you will decide what needs to be does, done as a result of this behavior. But I mean, because there's such a range here, I think it's really helpful just to like get a bird's eye view. And by that, I mean, ask, is this going to destroy me? Is this person dangerous? Or is this a bump in the road that really needs to be confronted in therapy? I mean, there's such a vast range there. But if you're unsure of the answer to that, let's just talk about why a person who is um, acting this way is acting this way. So let's say that person is in some way mentally unwell or they're full of anger. What they will do is see you and you're like, inner home of safety and they will feel resent towards you for that and that is because they don't have that so they might see your happiness your calmness your composure and their inner goal is to bring it down and to pick it apart 
Why? Because they want you to feel the way they feel and they want you to feel their pain. They want to be effective in some way in their life. And um, a lot of the time that's because they feel completely unseen and incapable in the rest of their lives. A lot of people who have rage problems and a lot of people who have anger problems are people who have uh, actual real fucked up sources to that pain in their life. Like they're discriminated against, they're mistreated at work, they're mistreated by laws, all sorts of big, 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 big sources to that anger. And they all just add up to, and they when people are powerless in the face of those things, it's like, where do I put this anger? Where do I, no one is seeing me, no, is, no one is helping me. And so it's a resource issue as much as it is um, a access to mental health care or, or using mental health care issue. But the bummer is this kind of toxicity and anger is often, at least in part, totally unconscious. So it's a difficult thing to address, let's say in couples therapy, or discuss in a very calm conversation with that person because their defenses are so high they cannot see it. They cannot accept responsibility. Also, because they're already self-loathing, they will feel completely attacked and push that back onto you. And so when people have low self-worth and a ton of anger, it's kind of that constant need to put, put it on somebody else, vent it outwards and defend that gooey center that is so vulnerable at all costs and like push away the inner truth of unworthiness. And so... That's why the pointing is happening. That's why they're like, nope, it's that, it's that, nope, it's that. Look over there, look it over there, look over there. It's like, that's when you start to spin. And that is what I want you to remember and recognize most. It's the war on words. That is the common trait. As soon as you see it, see it for what it is. Or the war on blank. It's a web created to distract you from the truth. And once you're in it, it's impossible to escape it. I mean, you can escape it if you can disengage from the emotions that are being triggered in your own body. It's hard though, especially if that person has a rhythm with you that is very familiar. It's like a very, you know, it's a dance with very specific and constant steps. And so it's like hard to step out of them because it's such a rhythm and a, and a loop. And when you're in that web, that war on words, of like, no, it's about this. No, it's about that. But you said blank. But oh, now you're saying blank. And no, no, no. Like that web has its own weird logic. It's like a funhouse set of mirrors, you know? So the person who is toxic and unhappy will try and make you think you are the antagonist and that you are the one that's saying blank and they're trying to solve it. So they're going to spin you always, spin you, spin the issue into something else, something slightly related with some overlap, but it's one step, step in the other direction. And so you will immediately be on the back foot. You'll be on one foot trying to get your footing, like trying to get grounded once more and trying to remember where you were. And so you might notice you get lost in clarifying statements and those clarifying statements start new topics and so you'll you'll be trying to create a traceable path like what do you mean what what about blank why wasn't I thought you said blah 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 but the more material you give them the more lost you will get 
And so often there will be so many threads to the conversation that you can't tell which one to follow. But in all of them, you're the one at fault. You're the one that did X, Y, or Z and you are wrong in each one in a different way. And I mean, all of this is to say you'll, you'll, each topic heightens and each topic validates that other person's side of it because it's getting heightened. And at some point you're both yelling, maybe you don't yell, but like whatever it is, because they have engaged you on their level, they feel validated and they feel um, effective. And also you probably feel uh, a million miles from wherever you started. And so it becomes about some other thing that it's not about. And at the beginning, you're like, I don't even get why they would attack me for blank. Like, how did that even happen? So there's no way to reach the, the, your ideal motive, which is uh, resolution. Because the goal is to fight. That's the goal. The goal is to get you to do something that makes you feel like kind of an asshole. <laughs> so the why behind, let's say, the wishy-washy boundary person, the person that oversteps your boundaries, I hope for your sake that you're not dealing with a true narcissist, but that is totally possible. And if that's the case, I recommend listening to the episode on how to escape from a relationship with a narcissist. I'm going to put a link to the show notes. It's not a short answer. Um, But as I mentioned, someone who oversteps boundaries, it isn't always malicious. They could just have, you know, uh, issues reading people. They could be on the spectrum. They could be from a culture or an upbringing where there's a lot more familiarity than you have in your upbringing. Um, They just might not have the same sensitivities to the same things. Being Asian and English in my family, I am like so triggered by (laughs) people not respecting boundaries. And I feel like incredibly sensitive to violations of personal space. So is very (laughs) top of mind for someone like me it might not be for someone who grows up with like 15 siblings and you know everybody shares a room whatever so let's say you have a person in your life who doesn't listen to your boundaries and oversteps and you tell them no thanks and then they do whatever you have asked them not to do anyway or maybe they sit too close to you you say that makes me uncomfortable they laugh and come closer no matter the intention the the violation of the boundary exists all feelings aside it must be dealt with so just don't analyze it just listen to that feeling that confusion and that that alarm that inner alarm that's kind of like a dizziness like wait but i this is the reality that i'm expecting and yet they are not registering that same reality that's the truth know that it exists because your body told you it exists so you didn't do anything wrong and whatever happens who cares how it was intended it must be dealt with by you in a very physical actual way whether or not they think something else doesn't matter which brings me to part three the how the tools but first a brief word from our sponsors First of all, want to say again, you're not crazy. And yes, this is happening. It's if things are not sitting right, they are not sitting right. Like if you smell something bad, you smell it. If there's something reacting in your body, it exists. I also wanted to start out this how by saying how important it is 
for you to feel your anger. And I'm in no way asking you in these tools to swallow your hurt or talk yourself out of it or just deal with it. That anger is healthy, it's protective, and it needs to be vented, it needs to be allowed to exist. But how to best vent it is away from a person when they are attempting to gaslight you. And there are safe and healthy ways to process your anger. And that is when you are in control of it. You can choose what you want to do with it. And um, you're not going to escalate a situation that could end up being in any way dangerous. But I wanted to stress to anyone who is codependent and a caregiver type who tends to be afraid or uncomfortable with their anger I I want you to know it's really healthy to give your anger an outlet and allow it to be validated there are many many studies that show a very high percentage of people who uh, suppress anger are um, those who are diagnosed with breast cancer ALS chronic, uh, like a lot of skin disorders, a lot of things are tied to just swallowing anger. And so if you think of yourself as someone who is chronically nice, um, I want you to just notice that and work on ways to validate when you feel anger and just start to practice that in your life. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to just one article about this. Um, but yeah, it's healthy to let your anger exist. And stress suppresses immune function. And over time, that's not good for us because it activates or deactivates genes. So if if you have anything in your genes that's like an you know, inclination toward a specific cancer or whatever it is, genes are regulated by how we live and also the effects of our environment. So Yes, they're genetic factors, but lifestyle is a huge part of how those genetic factors come to life. So if stress exists, um, it exists. And it exists whether or not you choose to confront it. So just allow it to leave your person and, and manage it in a healthy way. So with that, I have tools for anger in particular and for gaslighting. And lastly, I just want to remind you, like that big picture of what this means in your life matters. So meaning the realities of this particular situation. And you are the one who could decide that and and recognize that. So if you're with someone, you know, who you know is not a terrible person and this is just a bump in a road, that is vital vital information to place in this context. It doesn't make it okay. It just changes how you're going to approach this and solve for it, you know? So um I'm going to address that in the tools as well. Okay, let's do tools now. Number one tool, the first tool, watch your body. And by that, I just, I want you to tune in, scan for how your body responds when something like this happens. If you're not sure if you're being gaslit, notice, is your heart pounding or is your stomach dropping? If you have someone in your life who is making you feel uncomfortable or making you feel bad and that the trigger will be registered in your body and so that might even be something that you can't really understand like if you just have a lot of anxiety around someone I would say that's a sign you don't feel safe you don't feel respected you don't feel heard or seen and that is all you need to know 
you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to know if it's right or wrong or if you're crazy or not crazy. Your feelings are true. So don't question if you're right. You can see that you are right by that signal in your body and just start to to notice them, trace them, recognize them, read them and behold them first because they will lead you to what you need to do to take care of yourself. And sometimes that's just removing yourself from an environment. That could be it. I also want you to remember that feeling of dizziness in your body. If somebody starts to make you feel like, wait, did I hear wrong? I thought that we were talking about XYZ. That feeling of off balance, remember that feeling in your body. Like I want you to just call it to your mind's eye and remember what that feels like. Because that, when you notice that happening of like that little hook of like, wait, what? I, what do you mean? Like that engagement in battle, just remember that feeling. So the moment that it happens, you can step back and protect yourself. You got to remove yourself from that room, from that proximity. If that happens, that's your, your exit moment. And if you do end up being able to do that, know that a lot of the time that person's going to try and reel you back in. They're going to try and double down and, and try and pull you back in by some other means. And you have to just keep removing yourself. You have to keep removing your gaze, your ears, your eyes. Distract, deflect, distract, deflect. Look over there. Oh, I got to answer the phone. Oh, I got to go pee. Whatever it is. Okay. Next tool, a bird's assessment. So this is what I want you to do when it, it comes to a relationship that is intimate. And I, I think what we have to do is we have to look at the relationship from a bird's eye perspective. So by that, I mean like a six month range and maybe that's a year range. And just look at if you have a journal, that's a great way to retrace this. But just like I, what I do is I open my journal to a year ago. And, and just read it. Is the same exact thing happening? Is this a, a repeating pattern? And n- just try and squint at who this person is. Is this a bump in the road that can be smoothed? Or is this a chronic and worsening problem? So if you have old entries to read, I would just say like jump back six months ago, jump back a year ago, see if the same exact thing is happening. And, and look at this like, if you could squint at who they are, is this person genuine and kind overall? Like, is their average just a, a very wonderful and kind person? Or is this person, do they represent a toxic uh, role in your life? And I think that's really important to look at. Like, just what's the, the overall average? And then also ask yourself, is this person representing more positive in my life? Do they bring more joy to my life? Or are they eroding my sense of self-respect? Have they completely taken away my sense of self-love? It's like, is it an overall positive or overall negative? And that will tell you a lot about what needs to be done, what your next steps are. Because if it's a genuinely good person, this is one of those things that needs to be confronted hard, like in therapy, in couples therapy, or something similar to that. But it it needs to be confronted because then it changes. If they're a good person, that this thing changes pretty quickly. So it's worth changing. Um, okay, next tool, earplugs. I don't know if you guys have ever used those um, silicon earplugs. 
silicone silicone earplugs but they are amazing for a very restful night of sleep especially if someone next to you snores like the dickens but the reason i'm bringing up this is because the tool is i mean honestly you have to almost plug your ears in a situation where a person is gaslighting you like this or they're bringing you into fights like this you have to think of yourself as being able to plug your ears in a metaphorical way because it allows you to get a much needed visit with reality and just get escaped from the, you know, escape from the content because the content is what gets you lost. So it's almost like if you could just create like that, you know, white noise in your ears for a moment, then you can figure out what your next plan, your, your next action is going to be. So how would you do that? Just... Maybe um, tune into another noise that's in the room. Maybe tune into a TV show that's in the background. Tune into uh, the sound of a fan, like go to the bathroom, turn on the light. I don't know. Some other way to tune into some other source of stimuli and, and or just block out the content of whatever the conversation is about because the content is how you are controlled by that person. And as soon as you can step out of it, that is where you can get closer to seeing the situation, seeing the snare that's been thrown out. And that is where we can start to back up into our own mental safe room. And that is where we can really, you know, close the door to the rest of the conversation. So I just want to describe the conversation as like a bubble that they're trying to pull you into. And that bubble is storming and full of anger. And your bubble is peaceful and calm. So it's like you got to stay in your bubble, keep them in their bubble, don't step over into their zone. And when you're outside of it, you can really see it for what it is, almost like it, it has a physical membrane. You can see them and be like, oh, I know what you're doing. I am out of here right now. And, and that's like, it, the beginning is the best time to do that. And usually to get out of it, it means using as few words as possible and a method of deflection. And that is as soon as you get out of it, you'll feel that sense of liberation. And your job after that is to run like hell. And I don't mean physically run. Maybe it is physically run. But I mean exit the area and gain physical and mental distance. Invest yourself in a different activity that is not confrontational. So maybe that is um, a phone call, headphones and a podcast, whatever it is. Um, oh, I've got to do blank. Like that's the deflection. Give no response. Give no feedback. No engagement. Just exit the situation. All right, the next tool is called Don't Tango. As I said, these types of um, loops are so rhythmic. They're all like, they're because they're interwoven into our, 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 our relationships, it's like once you're in it, you're kind of like in this predictable set of loops or set of steps. So just, it's almost like a tango. The, your power, your greatest power is in the step back from that dance the step back not engaging stepping back and exiting and know that when you do that when you step back and exit it will often enrage a person like this because they have to sit in their anger and stew in it and they can't vent it and you can think of it like they're trying to force you to tango with them but you ha they can only do that when you are when they're close together with you when they have their arm wrapped around you so you really ha have to step back and not match their moves 
Because if you do match their moves, that's when you get stuck and you cannot regain level footing. So the tango is the deliberate way to control you. But if you step back, they can't dance with you. So just in that moment, step back. The next tool, if it doesn't land, you won. I think one of the hardest things when you're in a situation with a person like this is it's like you want to defend yourself and you want to write the record and you want to explain why whatever the thing they've said isn't true. And that is the instinct is to say like, no, I didn't mean anything bad. I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings, whatever it is. But that's it's never about what it's about. And you have to recognize that as the truth and walk away. And if you can walk away, you know, you know that end of the horror movie when like a bad guy is about to kill the hero and then they distract with some conversation about something unrelated and then that's when they kill the bad guy. That is like, you know, the dumbest, like most obvious tactic to um, kill the bad guy. (laughs) But like that is kind of what's happening. If they can keep you, you're kind of like, if they can keep engaging you in the conversations, like you're the dumb bad guy. So it's like, remember to step back and they're just going to continue to try and justify a method to vent their anger and toxicity. So if you can sidestep back and, and see that and just look at them for what they are, you have won. And you will, it, it's like such a, a clear um, win when you can be outside of that anger and just see what's happening then you're like oh wow I I just I got to stay in my happy bubble and like I actually did win even if you got to say all the things that are terrible all right next tool is a mantra action is power and this is for if you are dealing with a shitty situation or somewhere some situation where you feel victimized whatever it is if you get stuck in that anxiety, in that fret, in that worry, in that feeling of violation, your any action you can take is where you can come back into a sense of your own power. So just take any action in service of educating yourself, of creating autonomy in some sense of the word, um, just anything that you can do that empowers you. And even if you don't feel like it's true, we always have autonomy. We always have control. And I say that because a lot of the time we feel trapped. We feel powerless in our situation. We feel maybe you feel trapped by finances. Maybe you feel trapped by resources, by lack of resources, by kids, by dependency of some kind but you have much more power than you think you do so just taking some of it back is an intensely powerful first step so just take one step in the direction of for example researching you know researching how you can be more liberated or empowered in this in the face of this situation if it's a partner you know maybe you have a meeting with a mediator if it's a a boss Maybe you fill out 10 applications for jobs or you look into workers' rights. If it's a parent or a sibling, maybe you uh, block their alerts on all your devices, whatever it is. Just one action just to restore a sense of like, no, I actually can fucking solve this if I want to. I can do something about it. Okay, next tool 
lift toward whole. I just want you to ask yourself, how is your life climate? Like how is your plate when it comes to all the other factors that can bring us down? Stress, um, feeling good and healthy and balanced, uh, exercise, sunlight. What is one thing you can do to give yourself just a greater sense of balance in all of the other areas of your life that are unrelated? Just look at one way you can lift up your aura as a person. All right, next tool, safe vents. So as I said, don't internalize the anger and just do it. I think we all need to talk it out with, with somebody. Maybe that means you're getting you know, a free trial on a group counseling site or maybe that means you go to a 12-step meeting of some sort that you haven't been to in a long time or maybe that means you journal and then do a boxing class or maybe that means you text a very good friend or you go on a walk with somebody whatever it is just don't allow that anchor to fester it just needs to have some validation somebody needs to witness you and that is so intensely gives such relief like just one person to be like yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> You're not crazy. Um, okay, cool. Next tool, deliver your boundaries. And this is for a person who is um, not respectful or kind or that person that um, oversteps in whatever physical way. So this could be something that you are going to do in a verbal way. Maybe you are delivering boundaries in like the some form of, you know, an email to them, or maybe you're doing it in a couples care, uh, couples counseling session, but there needs to be a formal stating of the rules. And yes, you are allowed to make rules because you are a part of the relationship, if this is a relationship. And if there are boundaries that exist that are not being respected, those rules need to be made explicit in some shape or form. I would choose the form that is the least dramatic and the most objective. So oftentimes, casual, an email, some format that is um, not adding charge to the situation and um, not placing blame. It's just really about saying like, this is, a, this is something that's not okay with me. And that just is. You can state the boundary. You can also remove access to yourself by not allowing that person to cross that boundary again. And that means not placing yourself in the exact same circumstances that would allow that person to access you in the same exact way. However, if you are in a situation with a person who has wishy-washy boundaries and they do not see or read your physical cues or respect your physical cues or your words, then it's a different situation where you have to instead create the boundary yourself and that has to be done like kind of in big ways it may feel dramatic but it's not it just is a lot of the time we get stuck in the arguing with reality stage where we're like I, I want them to be different why aren't they different they did this they did that we get so upset at them for the way that they are when really what you need to do is tune inward and ask like, how can I empower myself? What's something that I need to do in order to make myself safe, to help my boundaries be enforced? And so that can be something like, let's say, um, preventing a person from gaining access to your physical space. So I know a lot of people have like roommates that they can't stand. And if you're saying like, well, I can't avoid them because they're my roommate, then like, 
just reduce all transactions to their simplest, most basic forms. If you need to invest in a mini fridge and get an extra lock on your door, so be it. This is a situation where you take their feelings out of the equation, you take all decorum out of the equation, and you do any physical steps that need to be done to secure your personal perimeter in a very literal way. Any transaction can be reduced. All the ingredients, you just treat them, you know, at their bare bones, like they're, they're very basic and straightforward. What needs to be done needs to be done. It just is what it is. So that means creating literal physical distance and reducing any communications to their most direct and basic possible. No nuance, no anger, but you know, remember that contact and engagement also occurs in the form of gaze, in the form of hearing, physical proximity. So all the distance is needed. No entry, all points of entry must be very, very controlled. And that is how you prevent other people from invading your personal boundaries. And a lot of the time what they're doing is trying to gain access via your mind or where you have not made something explicit. So you we really have to reset the greatest amount of distance possible. And that means like not responding to texts, no, no responding to emails, not making eye contact, giving no access to yourself, no familiarity whatsoever. I know it sounds harsh, but it ain't. It just is what it is. I hope you get the gist. And this last tool is for both people, the wishy-washy people and the people who are malicious. Look over there. Often redirection is the only way out of a situation like this because it helps you not get into any kind of web of having to defend yourself. So something that is unrelated, some casual, non-charged, whatever it is, similar to how you might deal with a very young child. So let's say a person won't leave. Um, then you have to leave. Oh, shoot, my phone just rang. I'm so sorry. We have to go. It's time to go. I've got to get going. Got to lock up the door. Um, and, and let's say there is some physical action that is happening. Same thing. Oh, my God, my phone just rang. I have to get out of this physical space. Sorry, got to go. Don't give them time to respond. Look over there. Oh, shoot. Oh, look, what's that? What's that? I got to get up and go over there. And you can make it something totally benign and unrelated, but give them very little information, nothing to hold on to about that thing. And I would say that's great for not, not having to tell someone you don't want them to be in your space. It's also great for distancing and confusing someone who is attempting to engage you in a familiar old dance. I hope this is helpful. And I send you my love. I wanted to send a thank you out to my latest sponsors, Christine, a huge donation from you. Thank you so much. And if anybody out there um, has the means to make a donation, donations really help out this show. If not, I totally get it. A review on iTunes is supremely helpful or a review on any podcast site, to be honest. So, or if not, just share it with someone you think it could help. So in closing, I think one of the most amazing things that happens is when you pull back from a loop like this that brings you down and causes you to feel belittled or not your best self or frustrated and confused and needy, 
when we pull back from that, we get access to ourselves, our unfettered selves once more. And that is a form of drawing a boundary. Just that simple pullback. By opting out of repeating a loop, we are opting out of whatever smallness that has been created in our lives. And by just doing that, we can see it as theirs. We can see them as a totally separate entity. And the more you can do that, the more you can see others for who they are and what they're stuck in. And it's no longer hurtful because it's not landing. It's like we're in those two bubbles that are side by side. One is full of storminess, the other is happy and clear. And I think one thing that organically happens as we do that, as we practice that, is we just, we get back in our own sense of self-love and confidence. Like, whereas when we engage, we, we go into that kneeling bargaining position. We, we're wanting and wishing for them to be different. We're trying, trying desperately to talk them out of how they feel. We're trying to talk them out of why they're wrong and defend ourselves. That's when we're in that groveling victim role. By backing up and seeing what it is and seeing the loop, we separate from that and we stand up and we own our, our autonomy. And that standing up process is hard because in many ways what we have to do is acknowledge the dream I have of this person is not real. It, it requires that we accept who they really are and see them for who they really are and it's difficult sometimes to accept that because it's like, we don't want to see that. We want to see what we, we want them to be. But that step back also brings great relief because you see that it's not your job to make them happy. It's not your job to make them feel relief. It's not your job to make them see your way. It's not your job to defend yourself. It's, it's not also though about you. It's not about how good you are, how smart you are, how you chewed the food or didn't chew the food or how you dress or didn't dress has nothing to do with you in fact at all it just is it's a problem they have and it's not yours to talk them out of it's yours to protect yourself from but thank goodness it's not your job because it's not solvable by you at all anyway it's not about what it's about so take care of yourself and stay strong listen to your body trust your body, and protect yourself and your sanity. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.